Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the staff scheduling app for hospitality teams. Rotacloud lets you create and share rotas, record attendance, and manage your team's annual leave, all in less time than it takes to make a brew. It can also make life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday, and even pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Tej Wallier, Managing Director of the quite stunning Fox Hills Collection. Coming up on today's show... Tej reveals what it takes to manage a golf resort. I have no experience of golf and I don't play golf. Phil sets some lofty goals. Uh, Hopefully I'll have the the meaning of life at the end of all this. And Tej believes you can always do slightly better. We can do much, 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 much better. All that and so much more as we chat through Tej's wonderful career so far. Tej was very gracious with his time and there are some wonderful lessons for us all through his story. A huge thank you to him for showing me such wonderful hospitality at Fox Hills. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to give us a subscribe, a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to Tej Walia. Nice talking to you, Phil, again. This yes. will be my second Indeed. stint on the podcast. Uh, yeah, well, we, we did, we did uh, a stint on the IOH podcast. Yes. Uh, we also appeared on a panel together. Yes, we uh, did, actually, we... in the Independent Hotel Show. Yeah, uh, we did. were there, so we were panel together. This was actually uh, in the podcast platform, second time together in a, some kind of a talk show, yeah. <laughs> third time. Indeed, yeah. But this time, it's all about you. Oh, well, um, and, and I'm sure some opinions as well, which will come out in the, in the fullness of the, the discussion. But for the world, just tell, tell the world who you are and what it is that you do. So I am Managing Director of Foxhills Collection. I have been uh, with the company for just over five years and as an MD for just under a year now. So and so I look after Foxhills Club and Resort, which is just off uh, Junction 11 of M25, set in a beautiful 440 acres of countryside, just a, a stone throw away from central London. And also I look after... Uh, Folly Golf Club, which is in the Croydon, East Croydon, Wallingham, right. that side of the M25. And so, yeah, those are the two. And the fun factor, I manage between myself around just under 75 whole golf courses, if I may put it like that combined. Right. And I have no experience of golf and I don't play golf. That's, uh, if I say fun and factor. no desire? No desire to? Uh, no. Well, uh, it's one of those games where you um, it can be the, the making or the death of you. It could be, and I don't know whether I want to. I, I think one of those things, uh, even if I think of sometimes that I shall I pick up golf, then I realize that if my golfing skills are handicapped with the quality is too good, will I be associated that, oh, MD is spending too much time on the golf course well, rather than doing the job? So perhaps that is one of the statements also is trying to keep me away. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a competitor by nature. So actually, and if I do pick up, I right. want to be good, Not but I don't that. know whether that will go against me. Yeah, yeah. So actually... There's all our excuses, but, <laughs> but no, not. I mean, it makes sense, though. Yeah, yeah. you don't want the, the MDs, obviously, he's, pretty, he's useless at his job, but really good at golf. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, that's great. So you're very kindly hosting me uh, here for, for this. This is oh. one of the, the joys of the industry that we work in, is, is being able to get out and about and come oh. and see I some places. I hope you places. enjoy. Yeah, what, certainly wonderful so far. Wonderful 
arrival. We, uh, my wife and I commented on this as we turned onto your driveway, as it were, and sure. you're the big pine trees, and it just feels mm -hmm. lovely, like you feel like you've, you've come home. No, 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 thank you. Yeah, that, look, that's what our mission statement is. You feel uh, better when you leave than when you arrive. Right. And one of the things uh, is that doesn't only apply to our members, our visitors, guests, but I... I also say to my team, it applies to all of us, i.e. the people who work. Yeah. Because we had an induction today for all the staff members who started with us one month or in December. So we do induction month. And one of the things I say to them is this only. I say, forget, very anecdotally, if I may put it like, I said, forget about the customer for a second. I said, remember that mission statement for each other. I said, if you make you, uh, all of your colleagues feel the same, customer will go happy because what is happening is we are not creating unnecessary hassle for each other. We are not creating unnecessary processes, friction for each other in the team. Mm. We are sympathizing. We are trying to our level best to work as a team. And the byproduct of that would be is the customer leave happy. So, yes, so we try to do that. And I'm glad that uh, when people do turn right or left from the main road, and they feel, and then the, actually the real challenge begins. Yeah, indeed. Well, and your human interaction is what it's all yeah. about, ultimately, isn't it? You can have the, the most beautiful place on the planet, but um, if the people are not backing that up with their joy of being here, then, uh, then what's the point in all of this? Absolutely. That is the key. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Okay, well, we'll talk a lot more about Fox Hills as we get through your sure. journey and, and get to, I suppose, present day. But what I really want to do first is just go all the way back to the beginning and how did you get into hospitality in the first place? Oh, wow. Uh, that's going back quite a while. Two or three years, yeah. Yeah, well, just two <laughs> or three years, so I think. <laughs> if, that, if I can fool myself or you mm. with that. Going back, I'm born and brought up in India. I've been raised in a, a defense family. My dad was in the Indian Army. My grandfather was in the, served in the British Army and also I can... I would like if I don't say that my first preference was to join an uh, army or right. um, if I may put it defense services in India yeah. and um, for one reason or the other I was unable to and hotel management was very up and coming uh, vocation at that time in India. So I had prepared the entrance exam was so I thought that I was never an academic kind of a person I always wanted to go with uh, I would have never seen myself studying doing a MSc, BA or BSc, something like that kind of. So I wanted mm. a profession which was much more practical. And hence, maybe that's the reason why I was more inclined towards uh, defense services, which was much more... quite practical. <laughs> yeah, which very, very quite. <laughs> or, as I say, uh, hospitality. So I gave entrance exam and then uh, three or four other rounds of tests and all that. And I got through uh, hospitality. And hence, I entered hotel management, which I call... So I did my hotel management uh, from one of the institutes in uh, one of the regions of India. Right, okay. So and what age are you at this point? Is this post just post-school? It, it was post-school. So I would say at the... I, I, would, I joined uh, hotel management at the age of just under 20. So I would have been 19 or something like that. 18, 19 years yep. So I joined that. It was a three years of graduation where you get uh, experience in all the... Uh, uh, what they call three departments and in hospitality generally what they call three sorry four operational departments if I may was kitchen food and beverage services front of the house or front office or reception you want to call it as and housekeeping yeah so you have to do all those practical and uh, along with that then it was like um, accountancies and business management and all that day the day other what they call sub subjects were there at that time we had French as well because when I was studying hotel management in 1995 to 98, when I did my uh, hotel management, uh, 
in my hotel management a lot uh, French cuisine is quite a uh, uh, has a very influential part yeah. in, especially in academics actually if I may put it like that right. and wines and whiskies and all that how, how did the different regions of wines and whiskies and all that kind of a thing new world, old world, third world wines and all those kind of things so hence the French as well comes a very the language kind of a thing so yeah so those all the studies and then in the second year uh, so that was so first year you go kind of a thing and hospitality wasn't that much so first year was a it's a start starstruck kind of a thing you're trying to learn all the different food cuisines and, yeah, and yeah. all that kind of a thing and then in the second year what used to happen was second year was six months of training so basically second year six months in the college and six months you go and work in a placement in one of the hotels and I was so my training took place in Taj Hotel which is quite uh, known in uh, Indian subcontinent and we have yeah. got here also and globally and right? globally yeah yeah and um, so I did it in Taj Agra which is where the Taj Mahal is mm. so uh, so that was uh, so I did it uh, my six month industrial training there where again you work in all the four major departments and what it helps you is it help you to kind of see which area which feel within the hospitality you are more inclined to it. Yep. Yes, it is was more geared up towards the four key major, you know, core departments. Mm. Now we know that there are many other departments also. But as a hotel, as a first time student of hotel and when join when you enter the hotel, you always have those were the four key departments. But we know that there are many other supporting departments which without which the none of the hospitality industry will survive. For sure. But yeah. those were the but you generally tend to work in those four main key departments and that helps you to determine which field you want to go to. So that I did it for six months, came back, completed my study and then I graduated hotel management in 1998. Right. Well, so, you, yeah. you've absolutely aged yourself now. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> you could say that. But I think we're, we're much of the same generation. I, I think I graduated in 99. So yeah, but I, I, at this point, were you were you in hook, line and sinker? Was there, I had because I, th I think a lot of people as well still will go through the the academic element of the training and they get through onto the other side and go, I, I still don't know if this is the thing that I want to do. Sure. No, I was actually. Um, people Sometimes people ask, oh, what do you do? I said, uh, depending upon what mood I said, fortunately or unfortunately for my sins, I have always been in the hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> it depends upon <laughs> the other person. How can that other person take my humor? Um, I had, yes, I was. Because I... I like, as I said, I was never an academic kind of uh, person. So I like the practicality of, I actually, when I joined uh, hospitality and when I joined the hotel management and when I went for the training, patisserie was my favorite area. Right. So I wanted, so when I came out of the hotel management, I always wanted to become a pastry chef. Because, oh, and actually for, one was because that was much uh, sought after thought area at that time you have to be very skilled the second was a very weird reason was the fact that India where it's very hot and patisserie was the only one department in the kitchen where it was centrally air conditioned <laughs> <laughs> never thought about it that way yeah, yeah. practical reasons again. practical reasons yeah. again so that, that was but that was not the way so that was the case however uh, as I said you have many plans for your life they some some it doesn't work that way and um, when I was giving interviews, uh, you have what you call placement interviews in the college when you know that. And I was given the opportunity to be front of the house in FNB as I started my career as a waiter in 98 when I passed her. So I thought, you know what, I need a job. Let me enter it. And then if I want to digress and go back to my what they call patisserie, I can. Yep. But here I am 
uh, what, 25 years down the line kind of a thing where I started and, as a, and then I didn't go back. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it was. Yeah. Goodness. But I whatever works for you, right? Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the thing is, is that you, whenever you're starting out, you've just got to start, right? Things present themselves as you go and opportunities present themselves as you go. But just get started and just get just start doing something that you enjoy as well. I think you, that, that's got to be a major part of it. Um, you can't go because it's hard work and yeah. we, we shouldn't uh, run away from that. There's nothing wrong with hard work. And you spend a lot of hours in work, so you might as well enjoy it while yeah, you're there. Yeah, it is. I say, I know we are talking about it and I, I know you have attended many of the hospitality events and all that. And one of the platform, one of the panel conversation in the, we were talking about how to reward our topic was, reward yeah, retention right. and all that. And I say, hospitality, yes, it's a long hours, you know, but it's a, it's a profession of a, with certain lifestyle. And it is interaction and all, but you can enjoy it yeah. as well, or you can't. And there's nothing wrong with it, you can't. But that doesn't justify abusive working culture and all that also, I totally understand. But it is a, it is a, it's a vocation with the lifestyle. And you have to, because unfortunately, when everybody wants to enjoy, is the time when... Possibly you will also enjoy it, yeah. but you have to work being in a hospitality. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You have to enjoy it. And if you're enjoying it, that's fine. And opportunities can present. And in any, like in anything, if you're working hard and uh, you're working with good ethics and people will notice yeah. you and you, it will open up the doors of opportunity. If not, till the time you don't become impatient. Indeed, yeah. Well, so which were you then? Were you impatient or, or were you... Uh, what, did an opportunity present itself? Because you, you, know, you started as a waiter, as sure. it were. Uh, which company were you with? So I started my career with Obroy Hotels, which is again oh, very well known. Yeah, so yeah. I pre-opening hotels. So I not started had a as bad a start then. Yeah, you know, I actually absolutely. Um, I worked for Obroy Hotels for my beginning. Was there? I worked as a barman, restaurant waiter, banqueting, poolside waiter, and all the. Sometimes even yoga with we have a small pre-opening, so training was, I remember still, and I say it, uh, I started my career in the uh, Obroy Hotel, tried into Depur when it was a pre-opening hotel, and it, it's in uh, Rajasthan, which in summers gets extremely hot, and I remember in a proper uniform before opening, in the car park, we are carrying a big tray with a glass of water and a jug of water to just do balancing skills. Really? So that the right. water should not spill. Right. And then you're carrying the big tray, the with bricks to for the weight for the weight right and i had the uh, i had the what do you call uh, the privilege of going through that training perhaps not at that time yeah i, I feel like a privilege <laughs> no i can give the word of wisdom and advice but at that time i was young and everybody like which is right yeah. i can give that now to say that don't be impatient but that time yes i was impatient yeah well if you ask me because at the end of the day um if the impatient is i always say you have, to some degrees you have to be slightly impatient because impatient at that time means that you're aspiring, you're ambitious, yeah. or you can call it as impatient. If you're not, then you will not have the fire in your belly to do well and to do. And if you're not that, if you don't have a fire in the belly, then unfortunately, the opportunities, you would not recognize the opportunities or the doors opening. Mm. Till that time, if you have the fire in the belly, then only you know, oh, there's opening, or there's an opportunity for me, let me pursue it. Yeah. And, but you have to realize that also it comes with a certain restraint that you have to, again, I can tell now, with after being but at that time young i rather have somebody in my team who are ambitious or i i have somebody who's got fire in the belly yeah. and i have to kind of control that fire than somebody who yeah. i have to start a fire yes indeed if that analogy yeah totally makes sense yeah yeah no, it's, it's way easier to to uh, 
peg somebody back a little bit. And you don't, and I suppose the key thing when it comes to leadership around that is to not stunt that enthusiasm. You don't want that to be lost. But uh, equally, um, you know, there's, there's all manner of people that I've had on the podcast who've spoken about one of the great messages or, you know, for anybody who's listened to this, who, who is aspiring to make something of their career, is that yes, have that impatientness, but don't feel like you have to be in a hurry because yeah. actually consolidation of your learning will serve you so, so much better down the line than in that moment where you think, actually, if I go and take that job and it's another five grand, wonderful. Yeah. You know, um, there has to be a, a bit more kind of measured yeah. thought. I, absolutely. Look, I, I said I'm a senior, um, senior manager, but that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. I'm still learning at the end of the day. But you are absolutely, I think what you've said is absolutely right. And everybody at different, uh, different time of their career, because of the personal reasons, have different priorities. Yeah. And there is no harm. And is not acknowledging Jad that if you're, for example, if uh, somebody is starting a family or about to start a family and all that, or want to get involved, that five grand or six grand is important at that particular time. Yeah, there is. I would say there is no harm in there, that person should not shy away because at that time that is their priority. But then, if that is the only thing, then perhaps they, the salary might be up, but then the experience might. But then perhaps that was the priority at that time. But later on, their priority could be, you know, what I settled. So there is no harm in. What I call it as prioritizing your professional growth in line with your personal commitments or personal lead. Yep. And I think that is much more healthier because that means one or the other thing is not going to make you frustrated. Yeah. If both are somehow aligned, uh, your personal growth with your personal commitment or personal, you know, if both are aligned, then I think you will be much more happier yeah. with what position you're in and what remuneration you're getting for that. Yeah. And I think that that's what exactly you he said it so yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely so back to your story you you were sweating by the poolside mm -hmm. on a daily basis yep um but uh, you know I, I was thinking to myself when you you said that uh, we've all probably had roles if we look back on our career whereby in, in the moment you know it it's not particularly nice to be in but actually if you have aspirations to become a leader i think it's a, it's, it's essential that you do these things that you know you're then going to be asking other people to do right absolutely and yeah now i can talk and actually Although it's, I, it's, it's the 11th of January in Surrey, and it's definitely not too hot. Not too hot. That's, why, that's why I said I like this one. That actually, <laughs> if I say loudly, not good for me, not good for the business. Right. Yes. Well. Yeah, yeah. So that's why. So I will choose if it's on balance is even better. No, you are absolutely right what you said at that particular time. And I can relate to it. At that particular time, I was sweating buckets in the. And I used to, at that time, I was impatient, Phil, and I'm not going to deny. I was saying, you know what? I want to become a supervisor and all because how long I'm going to do it? And I was yeah. thinking that what can we do? What can I do to do it? Can and I get to that like, air-conditioned office? Yeah, air-conditioned <laughs> office or go up the ladder kind of so that I can do it. And that was the case. Now I look back. Those were, those first three years or four years, uh, I would say my assistant, uh, uh, I would say five years, those first initial five years, where what I call it is the my foundation year. And yes, at that time, I was doing long hours, but I had no family. My family was the co colleagues which we are working with. It. Everybody passed out of some college or the other. Maximum, that was their second, if not first, they, it was their second job. So mm -hmm. everybody was more or less the same age group. So we were like working till late, early hours, you know, going, having early tea at three or four in the morning somewhere. It's one of the tea stalls or whatever you call it at any day. But at that time, we were, and on our off days, we were like broken. <laughs> so, but you know what? Now I look back, those were the best days. Yeah, yeah. 
but at that time maybe it didn't feel that way it didn't feel that yeah, way I, I, and i think that's why i don't say you can reflect back and then you can those were the best days for two reasons one was uh, that was the sense of camaraderie between the close knit team because we all were working hard and kind of thing that was one and secondly is that now i look back and i credit my as it called those with my foundation years in the hospitality yeah. where i passed out with the hotel management but it was a theory okay yeah. in the reality how the wine is made how the regions different regions of wine where are all the whiskies are distilled what the process how what is the difference between pilsner lager beer and all that we learned all that kind of a thing yeah but actually in the real world that didn't apply as much as yeah uh, as it was good to have that knowledge when it is but so in the real world it was the what were the standards the training the basics you know that and the it's almost like drip drip feeding to you so that till it becomes one it, it was part and parcel of your bloodstream yeah, you know yeah. that five years i say that if i would not have that then and i was lucky enough to work in three different chains and all were pre opening in those five years and that i say that pre openings so you you were absolutely no stranger to working hard then um the openings are always yeah but uh, it was a different level absolutely i was yeah. I, as a waiter then i then i uh, went to another obroy uh, new delhi as a butler which was their flagship property at that time then uh, then i joined grand hyatt new delhi which was the first grand hyatt in the indian subcontinent and then i went all the junior levels so you know waiter to supervisory kind of thing and then i joined leela kampensky bangalore got you got uh, some great places yeah so that's fine and that was so yeah yeah weather, right, so pre-opening again all three pre-openings i'm lucky enough to uh, spend a little bit of time on the international recruitment desk for a company called portfolio which is now psd yes yes um and of course i have my own business now and we do bits and pieces overseas but that time i spent a year on that international desk and what it taught me about the international brands and where they are and now when you you know you reel off places like that i immediately conjure up all, all these images of these wonderful five star resorts and places that you're working at which can't but help you talked about you know the, the going out into the the real world after theory the big focus is on standards and that standards are tough to learn in the real world but when you've got them under your belt it's very difficult to unlearn standards absolutely and i always say look at the end of the day um i'll say those three brands for me in terms of standards and quality and all that is epitome of luxury hospitality and there's no denying now within that at that time now you've got within their brands you've got four star hotel five star hotel and all that kind of you're absolutely right you can learn it you can tweak it you don't have to you can work in a four star hotel but you can be four star but your service could be still be five star yeah for what you do yeah. right so and if you learn those standards or who's ever learned those you can never undo if you have it is and you cannot and that helps you to strive to do excellence within your parameters as much as possible mm. and you're absolutely right if you learn it and if it is part and parcel becomes your bloodstream that you will always remember it you might tweak it to to deliver it depending upon what kind of a property you're working it but you can either tweak it flow adjust the flow or something like that as as you require and as the property require where you're working yeah yeah it becomes part of your identity really yeah, doesn't absolutely. it absolutely yeah yeah and every part of your life as well not just in your work but what you expect outside in the world as well yeah. um but in any any case that's that's probably a subject for a totally different <laughs> podcast but so um you're advanced you're beginning to advance a little bit in terms of your breadth of experience across multiple brands what happened next i was in uh, lila kampensky bangalore and then through reference i got the opportunity to come to gunzi okay quite funny gunzi um sorry i got the job through reference gunzi it's a standalone restaurant in a gunzi 
try it on nobody knew everybody knew jersey right because yeah. jersey cows are quite well known uh, <laughs> so but nobody knew jersey so or gunsey so came to gunsey and worked in a standalone restaurant coming working for coming from hotels where you have got nine ten food and beverage outlets yeah in a in a in a hotel to a standalone restaurant was a shock and also coming landing in, in Guernsey in the middle of November was a, was another shock. I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> we used to go uh, when I worked on cruise ships. St. Petersport was uh, yeah. often on the agenda, uh, the itinerary uh, whenever we're doing uh, Mediterranean trips yeah, from Southampton. Yeah. But the amount of times we did not get in because of the weather. Weather. Yeah, um, I think I don't know. Where, it sits in a place. I think that. Uh, from a certainly from a sea perspective and wind perspective, it just seems to get it. Yeah, absolutely, it gets very windy, and the Saint Peter, which is technically called the uh, the capital or whatever, this hub of yeah. uh, of Guernsey, it's like a wind tunnel, <laughs> and especially right. when it is windy. So I was there for one year in the Sandrunner, and then I got the opportunity to come to the mainland, UK, to work for Hilton. So I came in Hilton Corby, as a, again from another well unknown Guernsey place to the Corby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, goodness gracious. So, uh, if I if I can yeah, take sure. you back slightly, how did why Guernsey? How did that come about? Look, uh, Phil, to be honest, again, it was one of those things. Uh, I was young, no, uh, didn't have any responsibility or anything like that. So I can so go back to again the same thing what we were discussing earlier on. Our door opened, and I went through that door realizing that we can see it how it happens. Yeah, what happened. So actually, so Gun was in India at that time, in Bangalore, uh, Leela, and this came on. This was thought that, you know what, this will be give, give me the opportunity to come out of the country and see a little bit of different side of hospitality outside India. Right. And that came and I thought that, you know what, let's go. What there, again, single, no family, uh, you know, thing to hold me back kind of thing. Yeah. So I just took that, the Gunzi, as I said, if what works, if it doesn't work out, I can always come back. Well, yeah, and there is always what, that. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it was, yeah. and hence the reason why. And it was through um, um, industry contact only I got that opportunity. So I thought that you know what, that's fine. And a couple of my other industry colleagues at that time, or with whom I have worked in the four years before, some place or the other, they were also going. So I thought you know what, it will, if not anything, it will be good holiday. Yeah, well, which you get paid for. Yeah, <laughs> and at least you won't be sweating. At least I would be spending. Yeah, that was the other good thing. Yeah, yeah no, I think everybody will remember that only that I don't like heat after yeah. this podcast. <laughs> that's it. That's what we'll just call. We'll call it the title. Your, your title is uh, how to not sweat. Sweat. Yeah. 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 Um, no, that's great. So then forward into to Corby. Yeah. Um, again, it's it almost feels like you, you know you got a dartboard of the world. And you just throw in wherever it lands, you, yeah, you yeah. go. Or, yeah, so it's got me again. I threw caterer actually that time. It was good. So I was looking. So it was good experience. What Guernsey gave a little bit of induction to me is the British culture, if I put it like that. Like, I remember yeah. when I came and Guernsey, a lot of at uh, that time, what they used to call it, a lot of people used to come from mainland UK to work there. Learning different accent, understanding different accent, and yeah. that kind of I helped. still struggle with that. <laughs> well, so that helped kind of thing. So hence, I was looking to go into the hotels again, and so got the opportunity to come to Hilton Corby, which used to be Starkings, and then when I joined it, so I came there as an assistant, assistant restaurant manager, a small hotel, 105 bedroom property. So I joined there in 2003, and then I was with Hilton 
until 10, I was there. Then I was deputy GM at Hilton Northampton, then deputy GM at Hilton Coventry. And then I left um, Hilton in 2010, end of 2010. Right. But I suppose you, you highlight the one of the benefits of joining a big brand as well, is that especially if, you, if you're still harboring this almost impatientness and, and uh, aspiration to advance your career, is that big brands can really, really help you do that. If, you, if, if somebody notices you uh, and you're quite fluid in terms of where you can be from a location perspective. Absolutely, that was the key. And also, I always say, so people when, I've not given an interview for a long time, for a job actually. So, <laughs> so when you say, I say, I always uh, divide my initial part of a CV into, so first five years were the fundamentals of hospitality, you know, standards and all that. That I credit to my time in the three organizations which I work and training the four if you take Taj as my training kind of thing. Yeah. My management experience and a little bit that I give the credit to Hilton. Right. Because I grew as a manager uh, with Hilton. Yeah. Because I had the uh, I had the basics, the fundamentals with those four brands in India. And my uh, my management experiences was given to me by the Hilton. And yeah. that's how I kind of uh, divide my initial kind of a career bake if no, I, I like put that. it like that yeah yeah yeah. and there's nothing uh, and that's what it is and Hilton I came in um I worked in a five-star deluxe hotel I came to Hilton there were four stars but I brought the standards where possible with me into the Hilton and that's perhaps helped me to grow within the within the company from assistant restaurant manager restaurant F&B deputy GM and all that kind of thing and that's what it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. did you have um or when in your story to this point did you ha have the ambition that you want to become a GM? Was was that way back at the beginning or did it form itself? No, actually, when I was in the early part of my career, if I go back, it was the journey was always when I can take the next level up. Right, okay. And I'll be totally honest with you. And where it takes leads me to, that's different. So when I was FNB, so the whole idea was when I become my FNB manager and that will be. Yep. And GM wasn't even there at that time. When I became a FNB manager, then which would be in Hilton, then it became the fact that, okay, now what? Yeah. So then it became that I need to be a GM kind of a thing within. And that's how I would that's say. Right, yeah. So initial, initial, I will be like saying, well, I had the vision since the time I passed out the hotel management that I want to be a GM. That will be, perhaps that would have, that would have happened later on if mm. I would have. But at that time, my thing was, how can I become a supervisor? How can I become assistant manager? How can I become kind of a thing and duration kind of thing? I need to become within a year, year and a half, this, that, that kind of a thing. And right. that and that is the truth. Yeah. And whether call it being impatient or having a fire in the belly, um, perhaps both being, if I reflect back, I think to some extent, uh, it is very easy for me to say, don't be impatient, take your time and all. But I think I was yeah, yeah, that yeah. time. But as I said, it's a combination of both. There was a fire in the belly, but at the same time, I was being impatient. I wanted to become... Uh, get a promotion even before I have learned the uh, puts uh, you know the task which I was doing. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, and do you know I, I, from all the people that I've interviewed on the the show, I could I probably ask a hundred different people and they all give me very different uh, you know approaches to career and I think that's one of the joys of being a human, right? Is that, that we all think differently, we all have different ideas. I'm a hundred percent with you. That's exactly how I kind of focused my career was was actually just to. To deal with the job at hand and focus on getting to the next level. I wasn't. I was never a five-year, ten-year plan kind of a person. Let's just do your best work. Somebody will hopefully notice that, and then eventually, when you're ready, you'll get the opportunity you kind of want. Rather than being very focused on, I'm going to be a GM by thirty or whatever. Which I've also had people on the show who were very clear in that vision uh, as well. So I, I think the key message from 
me for that and why I kind of bring that up is the fact that everyone's different. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you've got to do what's right for you. My only, my only uh, learning from experience will be is you could have become FNB manager by X age or become a GM of X age. I think, again, now I can reflect back and think and I say, actually, there should be a, what I call a TNC at the bottom. Also, with that kind of a thought process is FNB manager of what? Right, yep. Well, GM yeah. of what? Yeah. You want to be uh, you want to become a FN manager twenty five or GM at thirty of what? What kind of establishment? Yeah. And I think that is much more important than anything else. Perhaps you can become a GM or you can become a, again. I can reflect back, but perhaps that was not the thought process which was going at me at that time. But no, I said I said of what? Yeah. Because and I think uh, that is also and there is nothing wrong in anything. It is just having clear in your mind. Of what kind of establishment? There is nothing in two star, three star, four star, five star. There is no such thing. There is a such thing as snobbery. But we have got all different kind of hotels right around us, and that's what the diversity of uh, hospitality is. That we do not have only four star. We do not have any five star. We have a different kind of establishment, standalone bed and breakfasts, but brilliant bed and breakfasts. Yeah. Or we have got five star. Or we have got four star corporate. We have got four star standalone kind of a thing. So that, but of what? Yeah. And I guess that is the main important thing is having an ambition to becoming set certain position, but of what kind of a profile of property. And I guess that's, I can reflect back and maybe at that time, maybe that was missing from my end as well. Right. Yeah. But you know, these are all great questions to, to ask yourself early on. And as you go, you know, also you don't know what you don't know, right? So yeah. you, you're, you know, when you just get into your career, you get stuck in. Deal with the job at hand, do the best you can, and yes, my aspiration is to get get to the next level. But I don't know that this whole world exists over here doing this thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then somebody gives you an opportunity in that thing, and you're like, oh wow, where's this been all my life? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, you just kind of, I, I suppose, like everything, balance is key, right? You've just got to get the balance right between ambition, taking your time, <laughs> if they can even exist, coexist together. And just be open to opportunity as well, because you just never know when the opportunity presents itself. Absolutely. No, no, you're absolutely right. It is just, you need to be, I think, there is, yeah, you're right. What you're trying to say is there is not one thing which will make it. It's a combination of various things which will form you as an individual in a career yeah. or in a development. And that's what the key is. And notwithstanding the people you work with in that process as well, and the people who lead you in, while you're, uh, in your formative years and your, yeah. you know, your foundation years, et cetera, et cetera, you work with great people you generally become better. You work with bad people, you know, then you're all of a sudden thinking, this is not the career for me. Or, or you Absolutely. Know, and it can be such a, a make or break mm. moment. Um, what I say to people, if, you, if you're not working for somebody that you don't enjoy working for, then go and try and find somebody that you do enjoy working for because that's the, um, that, it can be the most important thing as to the reason that you get out of bed is that you feel like the person who you report to has got your back. Or and vice versa that you're Absolutely. that you're a team together and that you're moving forward together and anyway I'm not going to rant no no <laughs> so we've already done that podcast before haven't we um, yeah so Hilton deputy GM uh, remind me which property so I was with uh, Hilton Northampton and then Hilton Coventry right okay and well what happened next yeah so and Hilton so I was there till 2010 and then um, I got my first opportunity to become a GM okay. Uh, at Falsley Hall, which was a standalone property. Yeah, at that, that time, it was a own, uh, standalone property. So I joined Falsley Hall as the general small, which is actually right, 58 bedroom, uh, two restaurant, brasserie, and then uh, we used to have a three rosette restaurant at that time called 
Equilibrium, equilibrium actually, yeah. And then a spa facility kind of thing. So I would say as a first GM gig, gig perfect. Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So well, and, and independent as well. So and independent. Nowhere to hide. Nowhere to hide. Um, so yeah, that was actually very good because that was, uh, I would say that was the first canvas, if I can put it like that, where what I learned is my foundation here in terms of service and standards, yeah. plus what I learned as a manager or leader, whatever you want to call it as, in my uh, in my um, Hilton era, yeah. I had to apply both yeah, yeah. in certain form or the other. And in some, and that was my first, what I call it like a gig where I had to stand up on my, I was, yeah. the buck stopped with me, if I put it like that. Five-star hospitality means having the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly where RotorCloud can help. RotorCloud is the online platform that makes planning rotors, recording attendance, and managing annual leave easy. Its simple drag-and-drop interface lets you create and share rotors with your team in minutes. While our built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rotor out. RotorCloud also makes life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotors, request time off, and pick up extra shifts, all through the RotorCloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. And describe that if you can, if you can remember the, the feeling of you know, when you make that step from DGM to, to GM, buck stops with you, as you say, you know, now you're responsible for decision making, mm -hmm. not necessarily responsible for the decision making in every element of the business. I suppose that's something that comes maybe not initially maybe as you become more experienced, but one of the secrets to being a successful GM or leader of any business is employ great people who really know what they're doing. Sure. But when you, when you make that leap from DGM to GM, is it, is it exciting? Is it scary? Is it all of these things? What, what, how, does that, how does it come together? It is all and flattering because at the end right. of the day, you, if I put it like that, not from day one you're working for that, but I would say at certain part of my career, you wanted to become a GM. Mm. And hence the reason why I'm saying of what was the important part because so I got a GM of a quintessential uh, English country house hotel, you know, four red star, three rosette, brilliant, right? Yeah. Coming from Hilton, what you call corporate Hilton background. Yes, I mean, it, not <laughs> a natural. <laughs> yeah, I, I was fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was fortunate that my uh, the owner at that time, who again it gave, who was not based in UK, who used to travel quite a lot, was quite travelled. And he knew all the brands, which I was talking about, Leela, right. Taj, Obrois. He knew the brands, what they represent. We have been to India quite a lot. Uh, and he knew Hilton as well. So he understand Hall has been at that time running. And he wanted somebody who understands the standards, but have got a corporate background also. So have the discipline of both. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's what it was. So actually, so he was understanding for four. Okay, so if I put it like that, then it came as the fact that, oh, yeah, it was not. If I would have been GM in Hilton, that's slightly different because I knew the systems, I knew the processes. I'm going transitioning from one to the other. Yeah. Yes, they will be, a, I would have been number one, but I would number one of a system which I am very familiar with. Sure. So to some extent, I can call off for help yeah. if I can go with other, but here it was totally new. So my owner, who was, I call it as, uh, Simon Lowe, uh, I would not, is... Uh, I'd say very open, very flamboyant. <laughs> he would say, hey, just remember one thing. If you're making a decision, own it. Right. Okay. 
to your team. Yeah. And he said, and that was because obviously he knew that it was the first gig, kind of a thing. He said, own it. Yeah. Um, I won't use the word what he said because it's a podcast. If you're doing it, do it with confidence. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but you can put the hash in between. So if you say, do it, learn from it. And if it comes to it, owning it, own it. Say so that, yeah, I did it. I wanted to do. That was my reason for doing it. It didn't work out. I've learned from it. And I would perhaps, I will do it again next time, but I will change certain elements which I didn't. So you say, that is the key. So there is nothing worse than a captain who's thinking twice and all that of a ship. It's rather people want to follow the people who are confident. Yeah. And if they trust you, you can fight the choppy waters. If they can't, if they don't trust you, even though you are doing right, you're going to draw, drown the whole ship also. You will take it down yourself in even a steady water. Great analogy. Yeah, so that's what it is. And that's what, and then here her kind of uh, thing. And that's, that was it. So that's why it's a combination of being flattered, excited. Yeah. Nervous. Yeah. Being nervous wreck also sometimes. Uh, what you call is uh, thinking twice or thrice, perhaps in your head. Right. Yeah. The one thing which helped and I say now because we talk about is having somebody in the industry, whether it's one person, two people or three people, whom you can use it as the sounding board and who can go, whether you can call it as your colleagues, ex-colleagues, peer group, or you may call them as mentor yeah. in a formal way. Yeah, well, mentors come in many forms, don't they? Yeah. And they can and formal actually, and informal. Absolutely. And actually, Phil, we are talking more about mentoring now than at the time, and I don't want to sound by saying too old, by saying in my time when yeah, I was growing back up. Back in the day. Back, because at that time, mentoring wasn't that a formal thing. Mentoring existed in a very subtle way. Yeah. It wasn't uh, there. But nowadays we are talking, because we are talking out of necessity of getting new young talent into the hospitality. And that's why we are, it is out of necessity more like if you're talking. But that time it didn't exist. Mm. But if it did, perhaps it could make life of, first time GMs like myself no yeah maybe it is there there are there might be people who are very comfortable that's no harm in being confident and being comfortable but at the end of the day there's no harm in accepting also that actually you're not and knocking on the doors whom you think that you can get an advice yeah and then it was I would say it was common but you're getting an advice but ultimately you the decisions still rest on you you've got to own it as you well are, and you have to deliver yeah. you can get an advice we, we all follow a recipe when we are making something aren't we yeah. but everybody can come up they can follow the same recipe use the same ingredient but the end product will be totally different absolutely yeah and that's what exactly it is I yeah. can have a mentor I can take an advice but when I but the end product will stay, and that's what it is yeah I have to say it's one of one of the many joys of this industry I think is that that mentorship in whatever form you want to call it, whatever it looks like, formal, informal, whatever, it's readily available. Absolutely. You know, and for even from people that you've never met before in your life, you know, the, the general feeling that I think across the industry is that, you know, we, we rise together as an industry, you know, we fight all of the same battles together as an industry. And, you know, because of that, we're here for each other whenever you kind of need it. Nobody really calls in it that often, but it's kind of that, I suppose, that solace in knowing that it's there if you need it. Absolutely, and that's what it is. And I think that's uh, to some extent. So yeah, so going back to uh, so when it is, it was a combination of all those feelings was there at mm. that time. Yeah. And that's almost like adrenaline, it was there. And that, yeah, so that was there. So I was there for two and a half years. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what a, what a great first fitting, I would imagine, as a GM as well, because independent business as well, nowhere to hide, as we, just, as we were discussing. And you've got to kind of take 
you've got to be bold in your decision making. Yeah. You've got to, be, you know, not hang around and you know just let stuff happen. You've got to really drive. The, nobody else is responsible for driving the business forward other than yourself. Uh, I mean, you know, and your team. Yeah. But you know, you, you can't call upon a central office to give you the support that you might need in in a moment. So actually, what a great training ground because you've got to take the blinkers right off, I guess, and and really focus left, right, center, up, down, left. You know. All, all, all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. I, I call it different. I say follow the hall. I use it as a way, it's a very training around a trial because whatever I learned, that gave me the platform to put it in practice, right? Whether as a manager or as a as a foundation yeah. in terms of quality and processes and all that. So yeah, this was brilliant. So yeah, as I said, it was a good, uh, good experience and a good gig for a first time GM like myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is Fosley still there? Is it still? It is there, but it is part of a group now. Is it, it is right? not anymore uh, independent. It used to be because I moved from there when as a result of it being getting sold right got you okay so well leads us nicely on to what happened next so then i uh, i happened to get my next gig which was very different uh duckington hall back down in southwest devon okay got so, you. yeah so so i moved so 1200 acres of uh, wow. uh around half an hour from plymouth uh, 20 minutes from Torquay, kind of a thing very very different we so i used to manage their batables um, what I call commercial entity because it was uh, 1,200 acres, uh, river dart, three miles of river dart runs through the estate kind of Goodness a thing. Gracious, and yeah, um, and, um, yeah um, it was a charitable trust. Right. But I used to manage their what I call commercial arm, especially mainly hospitality. So the main house had um, 50 odd bedrooms. Then we had another 200 beds when we used to do arts festival, then resto, cafe kind of thing. Yeah. So that I used to manage. That. So I did that for three years. So again, very different. Yeah. Um, many sense where you have to balance. I was surrounded by academics, which in my past life I used to all. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, avoid. <laughs> so uh, as I said, uh, the the uh, the uh, commercial arm which I was heading up is one of, if I put it like that, in a hotel sense, it was one department of the trust. Right. Then you had a property. Then you had a uh, uh, social justice. You had two co- arts college head of arts college. You had a head of oh. Schumacher College, which was sustainability. Then there was another one or two. So you can see yeah. that I was the only one who was non-academic out of the whole group of. Yeah, you you were responsible for making money. They were all responsible for spending money. They were, but they were very good <laughs> causes, and that was no, the indeed. nature of that fact was that that's what they, they yeah. But that analogy is absolutely uh, absolutely correct. Where, and then they're yeah, brilliant. Uh, that was a brilliant. Yeah. I was never surrounded by. Never come across that before in my life. I think I, I wasn't even aware that that was a thing. It existed. Yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, really different. Uh, I suppose again, probably taught you some new skills as well. It was. So there were two. Uh, I would say one or two things, and one of the things was which apply in a member environment like this one quite a lot was the fact that Dartington holds very dearly to many of alumni, many of because Dartington, where it's set in Totnes, Dartington has formed. To some extent, there's how the surrounding area looks like right. in from its heydays, if yeah. I may put it like that, because it had a thriving Duckington Crystal, a lot of, you know, show, um, what you call community initiatives and things like that, arts college, you know. So they had a very loyal, vocal, passionate supporters right. in and around the area. And as a result, they were always on the microscope. Yeah. So, which is right to some extent, and I use that analogy that loyal supporters uh, would be for me here. If I put it like that, our our members, yeah, they paid, but they are, they pay for foxes. But the only thing is, 
they can go and be a member somewhere else. The only reason because they feel part and parcel of the community. And I say to uh, my staff, when we let them down, for if you're doing, it's almost like your family member has let you down. Yeah, sure. It's almost, so they're upset, but they're upset. Disappointed will be rather yeah, best, which is you far know. worse. <laughs> yeah, which is far worse than being upset. Yeah, yeah. I'm disappointed yeah. here. Oh, it's the words you never want to hear. <laughs> yeah. So that, so that's what. So Dartington was one of those kind of uh, uh, place where I learned, and also I learned how to at Dartington, even though it's a commercial, but you cannot make all the decision commercial purely based because it has to fit in with the the what they call all the vision of the trust and. So it's almost like I can, the only way I can describe is it's like you know you have got marketing, accounts, HR, housekeeping, reception, and all that. They are different departments. Mm. They have their own way of working, own priorities, and all that. But they are different departments. So in Duttington, the hotel, uh, the the uh, the commercial arm was one. But many used to call it it's frowned upon because everything else were doing all the nice things, right? Yeah, yeah. They were they were like living and breathing. Uh, all the uh, things morally, ethically, what they will call it. And so now I'd be with the one who was trying to make the money by charging 30%, 50% extra on it, covering the cost and making the yeah. profit kind of thing. It was always sometimes some people can look at this frowned upon. Mm. So that, yeah, so that was the, that was the case. But it was, I learned a lot there. I learned, um, and some of the things were, were the brilliant initiatives were, so one of the things there was, um, which started because I wanted what I call the the uh, commercial arm to somehow be align their vision and their working with the trust. So one of social justice, one of key with it. So a laundry service actually, or used to come from the local prison in uh, local, as I said, half an hour from there, mm. and uh, it was right carry on to set it up because they wanted to do it. Because they, that was one of the initiatives from the prison, so that they are the prisoners who were there, so that it can give them some life skills yeah. to when there. So they must have wood, uh, you know, car- carpentry and cooking and all that going on, kind of thing. Yeah. But one of the time was the laundry service. It helped us because it was one of the and it helped. Us. But it was right because our laundry used to get checked, and you know, sometimes it happens. They folded. You had an event. You folded all the laundry, put it in the bag, goes to the laundry, and the next day the laundry company ten sets of knives and forks have come by the way in your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, it's a metal, right? Yeah. So in the prison, the alarms will go, oh, the, the God, whole thing yeah, will yeah. come to shutdown. And as that. a result, you realize that next day your laundry is delayed because we have caused the prison system to shut down for a good few hours because they have met something metal in the table knife has gone through the... the My life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is. So hence, we had to make sure that we had to be aware and we had to set it up for additional two days of laund- um, backup because of this in case. we So those kind of a thing, which you never thought about it before. No. You have to think that you have to do these things, which is good. But then... You have to. Yeah, you, you have to think about new detail that you yeah, need so to know. that means you have not only you you have to make sure the staff get training not to send even a single piece of cutlery with that, but also the fact that just in case if they do, you have to additional two days of laundry in your backup as part of your part stock just in case if we cause or for some reason not only us if the prison services go and the lockdown because one or the other reasons which is nothing due down to us. Yeah. So that means what happens? Yeah. So as a result, you always have to have a two days of backup right. part stock. Of the laundry, so these, were, yeah, it was a brilliant. You live and learn these. You live and learn. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never thought that that would, have been, but you had to learn. Yeah, and I suppose as well, it, it kind of all almost feels like because of that job, because of uh, your previous job as well, is that there is almost like all roads lead here. Yeah, well, there's another stop. Yeah, so and there was a 169 seater barn converted cinema where you used to say newly released James Bond movie, but at the same time you're 
screening a live opera from somewhere in London kind of a thing. Right. <laughs> so before I came here, I stopped into Scotland on the way. Of course you did. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. then I went, I worked for just over a year with McDonald Hotel Group. Yeah. And then uh, I went for, uh, I took a break for I think it was uh, three or four months. I went back to uh, India because of my parents' sale health. Subsequently, uh, my mom and my dad passed away because of their yes. health. And then when I came back, then I thought that, look uh, then i started looking for a job after i think i did temp uh, job here and there and then yep then foxes came right yeah true and there i say is the fact that when i was saying about the mentoring it did because i happened to apply for foxes also and through yeah, what they call uh, not a designated mentor or not the formally said but who i would knock on their door to advise or something and they help with me kind of a thing and they happened to also recommend me there and all that. So right. kind of, you know, when you said Foxes was waiting for you, to yeah. some respect, yes. And yeah, here right I am, over five years uh, that I'm here. I love that. I, I kind of, I love that serendipity, right? That's what they call it, I think, where it just, everything just feels like it's come together at the right place, the right time. It's the right people and all of that stuff. And, and you know, you've been here five years. You've also evolved in that time as Absolutely. well. Because your, your role has evolved uh, in that time. You started here as general manager? I did. So I started here in um, 2018 as a GM yeah. of uh, Foxels. And then, yeah, and in April last year, I took over as the MD of uh, Foxels Collection, which means Foxels and uh, Fali yeah. Golf Club. And hence the reason why I said I manage under 75, this whole golf course, but I don't play. So play, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, having had a, I've had a brief walk around. Sure. But you've got a lot going on. Yeah, no, no, uh, thank you. Yeah. And it's January, of course. There's, there's less going on just in terms of activity because nobody wants to come out in the freezing cold. But uh, I can imagine in the height of summer that the buzz around this place is quite incredible. Absolutely. And I think uh, we have 440 acres, right? Uh, yeah, the only, when you come up the drive, the only thing you'll find out that we're busy is because the car park is busy. But when you come to the heart where yeah. we are kind of sitting, out of that, perhaps 200 odd people, 250 odd people are on the golf courses. They are spread around in what I call as majority of uh, 400 acres of the, because habitat part, if I may put it like that, yeah, yeah. is in the rest of the, yeah, so that's what it will be. And that it is going on. We have got, as I said, uh, we, we have over 200 classes a week being delivered, uh, whether you call it golf so lessons. Embroidery. Uh, embroidery, yeah, painting, yeah, painting. We have got. Uh, table tennis we are right now just uh, paddle is open pickleball will, courts will open so we have got you name it we have got gym classes going on we've got uh, love to learn golf for golfers going on so yeah we have got over yogas and pilates and all that and, you know if you put that aside we have got roughly around just over 200 classes sessions a week yeah, which wow. we deliver yeah so which is quite a lot yeah, yeah. we have members young of all demography, we have got some members who are four generation of members, right? Who are there in the family? So yeah, yeah. But it comes with the what I call responsibility. Where they say, if we don't serve it, they will feel disappointed. In that. Indeed, yes. And that is the harder than being. Those, <laughs> those are the words that you do not want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you're having, I suppose, evolved yourself here as from being general manager into MD, going back to that feeling of jumping from DGM to GM. Mm -hmm. Much the same emotions, different this time because you're, you've got the, uh, I suppose, years of experience behind you now and a kind yeah. of almost a confidence that I can do this. You know, uh, absolutely. Again, it's the same thing. Um, you always feel uh, flattered that you're good, I don't know, excited. Yeah. Do it. 
uh, it is anxious that oh you were fine with the GM are you gonna do this can you pull it off as yeah. an MD or and was it a, was it a, yeah, yeah whether you did it just because and I'm not it's not being not being confident it's just it's almost like I say uh, it's not being anxious or uh, doubting yourself it's always it's always I feel it certainly and there's no right over but that's my is always good to some to have a little bit of question yourself yeah. so that you can keep your feet in the ground if I not then agree. you'll say well, okay. and I guess to some extent not being anxious and totally messing up the things but being anxious enough that you always value and you are all you don't become complacent yeah and that's what the key is you don't become because complacent if you become complacent that is that's my opinion end. that is the end because yeah. you will say you know what i can do with this with my eyes closed yeah because it's almost it, like having a, a healthy humility to, yes to the, absolutely to the whether you call it as being slightly anxious whether you question yourself or whether you say that humility whatever it is but it's always good to doubt bet yourself that is certainly my um, philosophy mm. and i said and as you correctly mentioned hospital there's no right or wrong so actually somebody can say it wrong somebody can but that is me that yep. you should always be a bit humble and always yep. little bit have a doubt that don't become complacent absolutely so own, yes. own your decisions though own your own decisions decision yeah, with yeah. confidence <laughs> with asterisks and all that yeah. in between if you and humility yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so i think the the key is um my transition from gm from one property, then becoming MD, where I am more involved in one property, and then oh, uh, with another competent uh, GM in another golf club overseeing, is the fact that is a transitioning. Yeah. So how I described it, and I, I've got a mentor to help me with that, is the fact that it's almost like how, the only way I can describe this Phil is the fact that so far I have performed in the business by getting deep dive into you know nuts and bolts and all that kind of. Thing. But it's a slightly changing in where you almost won't have need to know the business. But to some extent, the only way I can describe without rolling up your sleeves. Yeah. And perhaps wrong way to describe it, right? I don't know how I can do it. It's almost like because you cannot work full time in two different two different outlets, in two yeah. different venues. How I used to work here when I became a GM, I knew Please how I came to know Foxes by working here, whatever hours I was working, by knowing the Foxes. But I cannot do that because I've got two. I cannot lose the sight of hair because I don't want members and staff to say, Tej, you were visible. Now, members saying, oh, Tej, where are you? Yeah. You're not. So, can't lose that touch as well because we are a member environment and mm. member environment is, and we are a family-run business. And then at the same time, I need to learn folly, but I cannot do the full-time hours there. So, how do I learn? So, my mentor said it, that is that is art of influence. How you learn is the fact that how you influence the decision. So now you have to become influencer where you are influencing the decision making by empowering and by 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 doing kind of a thing. So that's what it is. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. absolutely. And it's all part of your evolution, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of you're now learning something new, but also I suppose having the confidence that one, you know the, the people of the business. You've been here for five years. You've been working with the same owner through that time as well, Absolutely. I would imagine. So, um, you know, there's continuity there, which which helps in terms of set that foundation to be able to own your decisions to, you know, especially when you're getting your head around a different business. So many things to, I suppose, just keep keep you progressing forward as well. Absolutely. And I think the key is also uh, self-development or continuous development is also important because otherwise you can become a self. But at the end of the day, not forgetting the day job. Yeah. And I admire some of the people in the hospital who I'm connected with. 
they are continuously doing something or the other and courses and all all that and i think i need to get much 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 better in doing that as well right. along with that and to some extent in getting involved in institute of hospitality master holders and doing these kind of things with you gets you out of the daily rut kind of thing if yeah. i may put it like that and makes you think also and do and that's the i could not agree more you know this is almost uh, i wouldn't classify this as academic learning this is practical learning in some yeah, ways, I suppose. But um, the, this has been a, a really a real privilege for me to to run this little show. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that I've sat with and had discussions with, and you learn something from every single one of them. And so, I, I think doing this podcast has made me a better human being. And that you know, and I, I don't, I'm not saying that cliched or flippantly or, or whatever. I genuinely mean it because I'm taking little pieces of knowledge from lots and lots of people and. Uh, hopefully, I'll have the, the meaning of life at the end of all this. You can write a memoir. You can write a big book. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, hospitality, as I said, you you learn from experiences. Yeah. And you cannot replicate the learning. And that's why I said, you, I think you said it initially, leadership. Um, you, can, you can have a mentor. They can tell you what to do, what not to do. But when it comes to implementation, you cannot have cut and paste. No copy and paste or what we want, you will have to edit it because no two situations are the same. Yeah. No two human beings are the same. So and no two people who are gonna do the copy and paste will be the same. So there are a lot of anomalies. So actually you have to be smart also about yeah. you cannot you can blag through which you can say it anything up to certain level. Afterwards yeah, you no, won't be able to. No, indeed. Yeah. And that's the that's the only thing it will be is yeah, you're absolutely right there. Yeah. Brilliant. I I mean um it seems as if, because obviously Foxhills has got quite an incredible history. I was reading about it on the website before mm-hmm. we came over. Clearly, it continues to evolve because you've got a mix of very old buildings, very new buildings. I suppose that's that's also, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's part of the the success of the, the place is that you're not standing still. Absolutely. And I was doing, um, I don't know for what reason, I was doing an exercise which was, I was doing on a piece of paper only. It was very rough in the five years time I've been here what is the, how much is the investment has gone into the Foxhill? And the figure came to roughly just under 18 million. Really? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, and that doesn't... That's include, all on you, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> well, no, I'm not. I have not. And that should, and that that doesn't include that, you know, boiler is broken down, so you have to change the boiler and all that. It is refurbed to enhance the customer journey. Front of, it doesn't include, doesn't take into account that, you know, what um, refurb has gone or there's a leak, so we have to repair the boiler and all that. It, excluding all that kind yeah, of thing. That's the stuff that just happens, isn't just it? A, so, look, at the end of the day, we opened just coming out of uh, May uh, May 21 after COVID, we opened our family building, 1,700 square meter of family building called the million. Yep. Which that was brilliant, all, brilliant, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that is seven and a half million, actually. So, yeah, right. there are big ticketed item. Yeah. And then there are many small. In 2019, we opened Yoga Cabin in Larch, uh, Yoga Cabin, which was one million. We op- uh, did it, uh, uh, Fox Restaurant Refurb. And those are the things this year, beginning, last year, sorry, this year, just started. Last year, we did um, uh, refreshments of our, our uh, spa locker room, which was just under 200k. We did uh, this year, we did, uh, again, last year, I meant. Of I course, we, we have to remember now. We've just, we just got <laughs> yeah, into 24, yeah. Uh, golf, you know, changing rooms that, again, constantly on the golf uh, courses and all that. So these are, it's continuous. And that's what it is, mm-hmm. isn't it? At the end of the day, we have to. And let's not forget is the team, uh, the people also, we, the owner are very much and myself including are very much into promoting from within certainly of certain positions, whether they are 
especially supervisors, if I say, and I see, use it, and I'll go back to when we were talking about the reward and that I mean by it. If you can't promote supervisors in any department from within, then there's a serious problem with the heads of department and the kind of people we are recruiting. Right. Yeah. I totally understand when we going higher and higher, the pool gets smaller and smaller. But if you cannot recruit supervisors in any department, if you cannot promote when a position becomes a supervisor within the, the pool of people we have, then we have to question ourselves. Yeah. And that's... that. So yeah, there's a constant investment going on and I guess that's what keeps us moving and that's maybe that's that is one of the reasons I've sustained here for more than five years. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm sure I've been delivering. <laughs> yeah, when the projects run out, that's me. I'm done. Well, but, um, but I suppose it's almost essential because you also have a membership element here that a yeah. lot of pl other places won't have. And with a membership environment, there's usually a level of expectation. As we've discussed, the last thing you want to hear is them ever being disappointed. disappointed. But um, at the same time, you know, you need to keep giving them reasons to want to come and be part of this, right? Absolutely. Like we are, membership year is coming to renewal in May. And we had our meeting first about setting up what should be the rates and all that kind of thing. And what's happening? Gym refurb is coming, which will happen. And um, paddle tennis and all that, which is 350k project and all so that's we have to do it you are absolutely right because yeah. end of that as a consumer you have to do it because otherwise everything becomes still yeah. and what we have spent right now four or five years time we have bedrooms we are refurbing six bedrooms in, uh, in from 22nd of january and then next year we're gonna refurbish line house which has got 27 bedrooms more so we're gonna so those are the continuous absolutely right we have to it's not only for the customer from people point of view as well from the staff point of view you want to work in a place and but by no means we are perfect. Actually, we have got many faults. We can do much, 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 much better in terms of looking after our people in developing. And I'll be the first one to say that actually we should be doing, we are just scratching the surface in terms of whatever we are doing. Right. And But again, you can always do it better. Hospitality, long time I cover show, hospitality is what is wow today is expectation tomorrow. Indeed, yes. Yeah, whether it's a customer or whether it's from the staff expectation point of view. Yeah. And absolutely. And we are not even there. We are standalone. We can do much better with our benefits. We can do much better with, you know, many things, uh, kind of things. So, yes, absolutely. We are not in a... So, I'm, by no means I'm sitting here and preaching people to do because there are many industry colleagues, peers and all, who I can learn immensely or we, senior management team here, can learn immensely and implement here. And that's what it is. So from that point of view, we have to constantly invest, whether it's the customer journey or whether it's the uh, team's journey point of view. So that, yeah. uh, because teams nowadays want to work, who are treated well and who are, um, what you call, they see the companies adding value to their life, whether yeah. it's a professional or personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your attitude towards that is exactly what we were talking about. It's that healthy humility again, right? It's it's the it's the knowing that we're not the finished article. And the newsflash, you're never going to be the finished article, right? But you've got to keep pushing for that unachievable perfection um, because that's when the great stuff happens, you know? And Absolutely. It, um, and you, you, know, you, you find an innovation that you didn't know was a thing. And all of a sudden, as you say, today's innovations are tomorrow's standard yeah. like wi-fi it was a luxury at one time it's a necessity now you remember the days when you had to pay 25 yeah, quid a day or I something for wi-fi I, I had to go i used to be duty manager i have to go and uh, argue with the customers that you have to pay this yeah and now it's a necessity and there was a time when you used to you had to pay for it indeed i remember and, when uh, i think it was gloman hotels in london uh, were the first london-based uh, hotel group i think to just say right wi-fi is now included in the room rate and okay. and then you know of course people just Follow suit because yeah. you, you kind of have to. But. Yeah, no, you have to. You can't stay still. 
No, I have to. You could be innovative, but at the same time, you have to be practical as well. Yeah, you have to, to some extent, follow the pulse of other, what other, uh, what you call industry are doing. Yeah, absolutely. I've taken up a lot of your time. No, no, thank you. Very I much. Uh, much appreciate you you sharing your story. A question I'm just going to ask you very quickly: If you sure. have got anything to mind, don't worry. If not, we'll just we'll skirt over this. But do you have any funny anecdotes from your career so far? The stuff where you would just I don't know about your depth or just you know that, that you now look back on and just. Life. As I said, that's the only thing which I said when I joined as my owner said it. Uh, I don't know whether I can say it. And that is the one uh, funny is own it. Own you. If I use uh, still a rude word, but politer, I will own your shit. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's great advice. <laughs> say that if you're doing it, just go through it. Be confident. Yeah. And then, but owning means doesn't mean that it is that positive. Owning means just own it up. Put your hands up and say that actually it is there. And then learn from it. Yeah. And you, two things will come out of it. Respect that you are actually blame. We say no, that person CC culture where you're copying people you know, because they don't want to. One is that. And secondly, people will respect you actually more. And that indirectly, you are influence people to take empowerment and take accountability because they would not feel scared. They can think that. And I say around here, Phil, I say, you know what? I... I say to the foxes and perhaps I say to them, I'm known to be a very sarcastic and cynical person. And oh, my kind of guy. That kind of a guy. <laughs> and, and I said that, you know what, I do majority of the mistakes at foxes because I take majority of the decision or the ownership of majority of the So actually, I will be the fine one to tell you, you have done wrong, whereas I take majority of the decision. So the things which can go wrong under, in my column, are much more possibilities than it will be. Right. So actually, but again, but, and one of our hair is, I'm going back again, sorry, I know you asked on it, it should stop at the funny part, but That's right. is one of our, um, our values is never stop learning. Is the, at Foxes, and that's what it is, and that is, to some extent, is connected to that, is the fact that, you know what, what comes with innovation, before innovation are failures, series of failures. Then only you suddenly have a eureka moment where you said, you know what, oh wow, I finally nailed it, yeah. but you have series of failures. The only thing is that's what our value is, never stop learning. What it's saying is do errors, do mistakes. Don't do the same mistakes again and again. Yeah. Do new one, that's fine, no problem. But don't do the same. And if you do it, own it. Yeah. No problem with that. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, I think, that's what the hospitality is, isn't it? For sure. And you can't, it's very difficult to get through a day without some form of mistake slash learning opportunity. But, you know, that is ultimately how we get better, right? And I think even if you if you read uh, autobiographies of all the world's successful entrepreneurs, they'd probably all put their advice 101 is to fail fast. You know, and uh, I think it was Branson maybe that said double your failure rate mm. if you really want to be successful. Because, you know, success is ultimately 99 mistakes before you hit the one thing that worked. So, yeah, I, I completely, I, I agree with you 100%. If you made a mistake, just own it, don't bullshit. Yeah, sorry. Again, yeah. I oh, God, you're just I've throwing your mouth off today. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Great. Uh, thank you so much no, for no, your thank time. You, it's oh, been a no, pleasure no, to you. chat. Absolutely. And um, once again, thank you for your wonderful hospitality. Oh, my pleasure. I'll be joined. And please feel free for your constructive feedback. Fantastic. I'll own my Indeed, stuff. <laughs> my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. And there we have it. What a fabulous career Terj has had so far with some great learnings all the way through. Again, a huge thank you to him for hosting me at Fox Hills. We will, of course, be back next Wednesday with another wonderful story from hospitality. But until then, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.